The call to ministry is a call to prepare. The problem is that the options for theological training have often been inaccessible, overly expensive, or done in isolation. We believe we have an answer. Ohio Theological Institute exists to transform Northeast Ohio theological training for ministers and church leaders. OTI's unique programs are designed to equip you for your lay or vocational ministry. At OTI, you can pursue a certificate, undergraduate, or accredited master's degree without sacrificing your local ministry. With courses from hermeneutics to biblical languages, OTI can give you the tools you need to grow in your knowledge of God and His Word, as well as the practical skills to help you serve the local church as well. If you are serving in ministry in Northeast Ohio, OTI is here to serve you. You can apply today at ohiotheological.org or email us at info at ohiotheological.org. Full and partial scholarships are available. Ohio Theological Institute for Christ, His Church, and His Mission. What's up, ladies? Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman Podcast, where we seek to restore women with God's truth for everyday life. I'm Toshiba Oliver. And I'm Leah Ross. What is discipleship? Have you ever wondered how to do holistic discipleship? Why does discipleship matter in our culture? In this series, Discipleship You 101, we will hear from urban women Bible teachers doing real life discipleship in the urban context and are ready to bring us on in with truth and practical knowledge. Grab your tea, your coffee, and some paper because this series is going to bless your whole life. Welcome Welcome to to the the Urban Christian Christian Woman. What's up, ladies, and welcome back to the Urban Christian Woman podcast. Leah and I are so excited to be here today as we have another conversation in our series, Discipleship You, Discipleship in the Urban Context. And we are so blessed to be able to have Michelle Reyes. And um, Leah's going to drop her yeah, bio. Welcome, Michelle. Michelle, Thank you. welcome. What's going on? <laughs> Thanks Glad to for be here. Yes. yes. Thank you so much for joining Y'all, us. If you do not know Michelle, then by the end of this podcast, Listen, you'll be like, I need to get to know Michelle. I know. I know. Listen, she's she, she's going to yeah. come. For, she's going to bless our whole lives yes. today, y'all. Yes. And so yes. just get ready. You're going you gonna to want to find her on IG, mm-hmm. find her on Facebook, look up um, uh, the, the Asian American Christ collaboration mm-hmm. online. Um, mm-hmm. So many beautiful resources. So Leah, yeah, drop, let me, drop, the, drop Michelle, the beats on if Ms. I may give doctor, an introduction. Doctor. 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 Let's doctor, honor her in that right. Awesome. Dr. Michelle <laughs> Dr. Michelle is the vice president of the Asian American Christian Collaborative and the co-executive director of PACS. She is also the scholar in residence at Hope Community Church, a minority-led multicultural church in East Austin, Texas. Hey, mm-hmm. Texas folks. Hey, Texas folks. Where her husband, Aaron, serves as a lead pastor. Mm-hmm. Michelle, your work on faith and culture has been featured in Christianity Today, the Gospel Coalition, Missio Alliance, Faithfully Magazine, and more. Um, and y'all, we are here to talk about discipleship and her forthcoming book, Becoming All Things, how small changes lead to lasting connections across cultures, which drops at the end of April. Mm-hmm. We're so excited. Welcome, mm-hmm. Michelle. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yes. yes. You're, you're such a treasure to the kingdom of God and for the church for such a time as this, for sure. And, and as we're going to be entering into this conversation about um, cross-cultural discipleship and discipling the vulnerable, you know, I feel like... Um, you know, we ask our um, our guests to sort of share 
um, their journey into understanding discipleship. But because of the recent events, I would love for you to also just share what has been happening as you are in Austin, um, Texas, and we we know, you know, um, as urban women that we've been following what has been taking place with the very, very uh, difficult snowstorm and blizzard that took place and how it's impacting you, your husband, y'all's ministry, the whole nine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of like a two-part question. I'll see how yes, I can uh, break this down. But yeah, so, you know, you guys are up in Ohio. Uh, I'm, I'm a Midwest gal by heart. I grew up in Minnesota. And, um, you know, to, to answer your question about what is discipleship, you know, dis- I, I would say just simply discipleship is following Jesus and striving to become more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this this is a process of, of, of learning to think, act, and love like Jesus. Now, for me growing up, I grew up in suburban Minnesota. It was a Scandinavian, you know, all love to Scandinavian communities. Um, but my mom, me, my sister, we were the only like brown skinned women mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in this like sea of, of blonde hair, blue eyes, um, largely Lutheran uh, community. And, mm. and we attended a Northern Baptist church. And I, you know, I'm grateful that, um, I, you know, I feel like I was born and raised in the Christian home, came to know Jesus at a very young age. Um, not only did I go to church, but I went to a Christian school, K through 12. And mm. uh, we were we were taught theology from a young age and taught about discipleship, but it was a very uh, narrow sliver of, mm. of uh, discipleship and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, right? I mean, mm. we read... We read all the the books by John Piper and John MacArthur and mm-hmm. you know Wayne Grudem systematic theology and all of this stuff, right? And mm-hmm. and we had apologetics courses and 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 in many ways becoming or being a disciple of Jesus and discipling others was a was a it was very intellectual. It was mm-hmm. um, you know knowing your apologetics, knowing how to defend the faith, knowing how to out outwit, uh, <laughs> out-argue your mm-hmm. opponent, right? Like this was, mm-hmm. this was uh, the, the, the model of discipleship that I was, I was taught that we were going to win people to Christ by winning the argument. Mm. Um, speak on know. it. And n- not only that, but race and culture were never talked about, right? You know, and, mm-hmm. and if it was, it was always in the negative light, um, talking about how, you know, the lazy or the, the, the poor are just lazy, um, you know, speaking about black and, and brown communities, um, you know, labeling communities as, as, as yeah, criminals. Yeah, just, uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, you guys know, you, you yeah. know all of those labels, right? Mm-hmm. And so this was my only understanding of, of, of race and culture. And for me growing up, going to college, um, getting my degree in literature, uh, learning to read the Bible literarily mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to reading everything through a literal lens. I mean, mm-hmm. that one just exploded my world in terms of the, the richness and the theological depth. Absolutely. Of, you know, um, but then also that learning to see color in scripture. Come on. Learning to understand that like, you know, my little children's Bible where everyone is white <laughs> is not actually a real reflection of, of uh, the ancient Near East or, or of Jesus. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and learning the ways in which God made us as cultural image bearers that mm-hmm. are, you know, who we are in Christ, uh, you know, it, we're not just spiritual beings, we're cultural beings too. Yes. And that's, that's important. Yeah. Uh, and so all of a sudden, 
you know, post-college, I met my husband, uh, well, you know, then boyfriend, now husband, you know, he's second generation Mexican-American, I'm second generation Indian-American. And together we began this journey of like, oh, we're not, you know, it's, it's, it's that first, that realization of like, we're right. not white. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're <laughs> not then like, okay, here's, here's how we're different. And then learning to celebrate that as opposed right. to be ashamed mm-hmm. of that. Right. And so mm-hmm. um, coming into that celebration and then realizing, okay, so what it means to be a Christian, how mm-hmm. I express my faith is deeply cultural. And that's yes. a good thing. Yes. And so that impacts discipleship. It impacts ministry. It impacts cross-cultural engagement, right? Absolutely. So that if we want to be followers of Jesus and if we want to be discipling people, um, culture and, and ethnicity and, 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 and all of the diversity among us has to be not only uh, central, but but valued and appreciated. Yes. Um, as opposed to something that we're trying to 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 do to get rid of. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a that's a huge. Even just you sort of setting that up for us as we go into this conversation, I think is is so necessary. Um, I, I would love for you to. Um, to give sort of like what would be sort of um, detailed as an explainer on uh, when you're in your book, you give this definition of cultural identity, cultural narrative. Will you share with our listeners um, what you what you mean, what you're referring to, um, and yeah, and how that's that's played out in our lives? Yeah, for sure. Which you know. Uh, there's a lot of debates about what cultural identity even mm-hmm. means and what culture is. And so mm-hmm. I recognize that. I, I recognize that if you're in a certain anthropological camp, you might define it differently. But I, for, for me, I take my cues from, from certain cultural anthropologists like Dr. Brian Howell at Wheaton College, who mm-hmm. quite simply defines cultural identities as narratives born from our ethnic heritages, mm-hmm. um, our, our individual ethnicities, if you will. And so yeah. this, I use this definition because each one of us has our own unique cultural narrative. It's it's this composite, or in my book, I use the word mosaic um, of yes. all these different tiles, all these different pieces, these complex stories that we've picked up and and and, and embraced from our family, from our community, from our friends about um, what it means to be a good person, what we what we see as good and beautiful and true in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is important to understand at an individual level, a level, especially because we live in this very global multicultural world mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, you, we, we can't talk about people as if they are a monolith, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you put me up, you know, if I was standing next to 10 other Indians, we would all be so different, right. you mm-hmm. know? Um, you know, my mom, is part of the Indian diaspora. You know, her great great grandparents were brought as forced laborers, basically indentured servants from mm-hmm. India to Uganda under the British Empire to build uh, the railroads there, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, so much of of my story, my mom's story, is is uh, you know the border crossing and even fleeing Uganda from 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 genocide waged yeah. under President Idi Amin and mm-hmm. and being a refugee, like. That is such a unique aspect of my story, which is completely different than some of my friends who, you know, born and raised in India, immigrated here in the 70s. I mean, um, mm-hmm. 
You know, the same can be true for Latinos, for the Black community, for Native Americans, mm-hmm. um, and even for, quote, white people, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, not all white people are, the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there's, yeah. there's people with German heritage, uh, Swedish heritage, Italian heritage, right? So we have to understand culture um, at this individual level because I am like all Indians. I'm like some Indians and I'm like no other Indian, right? Mm-hmm. And the same is true mm-hmm. for, for you guys, for anyone listening yeah. uh, in terms of your own cultural group. And so understanding culture as narrative, as these stories that, that explain who we are and the journey that we're on mm-hmm. um, is particularly helpful if you want to have healthy cross-cultural relationships, yes. right? Because yeah. it's 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 what allows us to have this, this framework of, of appreciating each person we connect with instead of value, valuing them based on where they're from or what they do or if they fit into certain categories or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Even this, you know, even as you were talking, I was thinking about like how how even though like there has been a lot of unrest around um, around race, right, and around ethnicities in America, in America, right, um, that uh it is still such a beautiful time because so much is being unearthed, so much is being um, exposed. And then so much is now being able to be um, navigated or experienced. I think about so many people that I know um, who have began to go on the journey to discover their ethnos if they are not aware of it. Mm -hmm. They may have had um, stories or they have even like uh, bought into the narrative of trying to erase their ethnos for the sake of survival, right? For the sake of survival. Mm-hmm. But um, but for out of God's providence um, and through circumstances, they are now beginning to go on those journeys. And I think that there is a, can you sort of speak to like what's at stake when we don't um, embrace the, the fullness and the beauty of uh, how God has has made us in our body through our ethnos. Oh my goodness. <laughs> What's that? St- I mean, not to be like uber dramatic, but like yeah, yeah, everything yeah. is at stake, right? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, colorblindness, you know, right. is like just scratching... The, the surface, but, you know, what's at stake? Low racial consciousness, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, going along with the status quo that enables systemic racism, uh, the mm-hmm. devaluation of voices of color, mm-hmm. um, a devaluation of the biblical vision of unity uh, and togetherness, mm-hmm. yes. Yes. unity and diversity that we see in scripture that, that the body of Christ is supposed to uh, embody. So, uh, you know, there's a lot at stake. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, (laughs) And I think too, like what you're saying, I I love what you're saying about, you know, for me, I am like some black women. I am like all black women and I'm like none, no other black Mm -hmm. woman. Like there is that those levels and gradual uh, identity sort of markers. And then when you get to the cultural narrative, right, we have our own uniqueness. I think that's so helpful, particularly for just the nuance Uh, I can speak from my perspective of women Mm -hmm. of color, right? Because some of us have grown up like thinking I'm not blank enough, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not black enough. I'm not Mm -hmm. Indian enough because Mm -hmm. I'm in this context or that context Mm -hmm. or, you know, and so just to appreciate the nuance of that, of like, 
I am, a, I have a, my own cultural narrative, mm-hmm. sort of this mosaic that creates me. And in some ways it connects me to others that are like me. And in some ways it's distinct. And so mm-hmm. that is something to be celebrated, mm-hmm. right? Instead of being measured against uh, mm-hmm. one to another, which is just a really affirming word. So thank mm-hmm. you for that. Yeah. Um, as we sort of turn to scripture, like give us um, where you see these distinctions of culture in the Bible. You know, you mentioned like, we miss out on seeing God's plan mm-hmm. for unity and diversity in the Bible. Where is that in the Bible, Michelle? That's yeah. good. <laughs> where, where do we see <laughs> that's, this cross-cultural, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where well, is it? I'll, I'll, I'll say briefly, um, you know, one of the texts that has influenced me the most is J. Daniel Hayes' um, Every Every Nation and Tribe, a Biblical mm-hmm. Theology of Race. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this is also something that I try to trace in the first chapter of my book from Genesis through Revelation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think it's it's important to understand that even in, if we look all the way back to Genesis chapter one, that, um, you know, when God is creating Adam, this mm-hmm. is a, a very generic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, person. It's not, no, there's no markers of him being Jewish or mm-hmm. Canaanite or, you know, mm-hmm. fill in the blank. Um, it's, it's this idea of, of, of a generic humanity, but yeah. from this, from these humans, all, all ethnicities and cultures, um, come and, and, The reason why this is important is because God says, go out into all the earth, you know, be fruitful and multiply. And I think Mm. what we fail to understand then is the the proper interpretation of Genesis 11 when we get to the Tower of Babel. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people see this as like, oh, um, people are just trying to become like God and then they're cursed uh, or punished. um, Mm -hmm. And then all these languages are are disseminated and people go elsewhere. But but this was God's call from the beginning for this, this um, ethnic, diverse flourishing to go out and fill the earth. Mm-hmm. And then people stopped and they stopped mm-hmm. moving. And so God was like, okay, you're going to stop. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to make you go mm-hmm. out and I'm going to diversify you and catalyze yeah. this. Yeah. So, you know, I when we that. read what happens at the Tower of Babel, we should see that God moving people out, diversifying mm-hmm. language is part mm-hmm. of his intent from the very beginning of Genesis yeah. to, to continue to go out into the world um, in, in this sort of embodied cultural flourishing. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I think when we go all the way to, to Revelation and we see in the new heavens and the new earth, um, people of every tribe, tongue, and nation around the throne of God, worshiping him in different languages and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, it it shows us that if 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 our cultural identities didn't matter, mm-hmm. once preach die, on it. Preach you know, on once it. Once we once we are you know with with God and you know for eternity, yeah, that that would all go away. It Come would on, all disappear. You Come know on. what I mean? But here yeah. we are still singing in I don't know Swahili and German. Yes. Come on, Spanish and you know fill in the blank, um, which. We have to understand God intended a multi-ethnic body from the beginning. This was the always the intent mm-hmm. and 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 the 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 beauty and richness of 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 all of us 
you know, worshiping God through our own cultural expressions remains. And, mm. and when we pray, <laughs> mm-hmm. our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done come on, on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. That's the vision. It's the That's multi-ethnic it. body. So That's it. we live into this reality. You guys are getting me too excited here. <laughs> but we, we live into church. this reality now, right? Yes. That, that is the heavenly reality. Yes. Mm-hmm. Live that way here, here yes. on earth. Mm-hmm. Yes. It makes me think some people don't even know what they're praying for. Yeah. 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 They know what they're praying for. Yeah. This is really what we pray when we usher in, when we say your kingdom come, Mm -hmm. bring it, Lord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Can you talk to us? I know in your book, you talk about first Corinthians nine and um, where Paul is articulating uh, what happens uh, when we become in Christ. Right. Well, actually, Paul is articulating that um, when he goes out to be about the father's business. Right. He's saying that um, to the Jew, I became uh, uh, almost, I think he says like, not like a Jew in, um, in first Corinthians nine, talk to us a little bit about this and why, uh, why we can sort of elevate this conversation of cross-cultural relationship. Yeah, no, that's good. First Corinthians nine, 19 through 23 forms the foundation of my entire book. And, um, exactly as you said, in verse 20, he says to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews, to those under the law, I became like one under the law, and to Mm -hmm. those not having a law, I became like one not having the law, so as to win those not having the law. And here he's he's referring to to, to Greeks, to, you know, to Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, before I sat down to write this book, I was thinking about what what would Paul be saying to us today if he was writing this for, for, you know, the year 2021? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I, I couldn't help but imagine him saying things like, to the Latino, I became like a Latino to win the Latinos, you know, mm-hmm. to the to the African-American, I became African-American to win African-Americans to the to the Indians and the Asian-Americans or, or to the Native Americans. You know, I became like a Native American mm-hmm. to win Native Americans. And so this question of like, what does it mean to become like somebody else to yeah. win them for the sake of the gospel is the question that I'm trying to, mm-hmm. to answer in, in, in my book. And so um, this this forms the heart of, of you know, w- what we talk about when it comes to cross-cultural relationships or, mm-hmm. or connecting across cultures or even cross-cultural ministry, right? Right. Um, and for me, what I'm, what I'm simply, simply trying to get at, and it's, it's simple, but I suppose a complex idea at the same time, is that mm-hmm. to be cross-cultural means that we, we desire and even prioritize mm-hmm. the ability to culturally adapt. Mm. So in other words, we put a high premium on, on, on learning to change. And, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, about what this means for, for subdominant cultures to change who they are. But we put a high premium on changing who we are for the people around us mm-hmm. and being, um, uh, the, the term I like to use is being cultural chameleons, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. We actually have to just park right there. Ladies, if you're enjoying the ministry and content of The Urban Christian Woman, would you take a minute to write a review and give us a rating on iTunes? Our goal is to get truth into the hands of urban women. You can help us by leaving even a one sentence review and some stars. This simple act will help increase our visibility for more women to find this podcast and resources to help equip them in their everyday lives. So girl, what you waiting for? Just go ahead and do it right now.
And if you haven't yet, join our community on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Urban Christian Woman, Facebook, The Urban Christian Woman, and on our website, which is theurbanchristianwoman.com. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. We actually have to just park right there. Park right there. Park right there. <laughs> Let's go on in. Because, you know, as you're talking about, right, like this, this adaptability, this chameleon nature, right? The, mm-hmm. the For us as women of color, right, the, the concept of code switching, which you mentioned in your book is brought up. And it's mm-hmm. like, we have, we know we have to own it. There's a lot of baggage around mm-hmm. the whole concept of code switching. I mean, maybe we have, we have all probably been in that space where mm-hmm. whether in a college seminar or somewhere else or in a conversation, mm-hmm. you were like, girl, I'm done. I'm <laughs> done code switching for these folks, you know? And so there is, there's a space that that is necessary, right? And I, I would love for you to talk us through like yeah. just where is, why is there baggage behind that? And then what is different about this cultural chameleon adaptability that's different from, right, the code switching baggage mm-hmm. that we have? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that was, that was how I learned to first start ex- exercising these, these, these muscles, if you will, of cultural adaptability, cultural accommodation was being the lone brown skin girl in an all white mm-hmm. school. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a young girl, you just want to fit in. <laughs> like, yeah. like you have the same desires as everyone else. You want to be loved. You want to have friends, right? You mm-hmm. don't want to be made fun of. You don't want to be that kid mm-hmm. eating lunch uh, at a table yeah. all by herself, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which was my reality. And so I was, I was trying to um, adapt who I was, which essentially meant I was trying to hide my Indianness and tr- just try mm-hmm. to be white because I thought eh, maybe I'll be cool or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe I'll be accepted. Uh, and even at a young age, I thought that to be Christian meant to be white. And, um, you know, my husband has the same experience growing up um, at the border in Texas and, and just being in an entirely Latino community, Spanish speaking community, he comes to faith. And he's within a white evangelical church. And so it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I've mm-hmm. got my Latino mm-hmm. family and yeah. I've got my white church, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, there's there's that code switching. And, 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 and when we're in those type of spaces, there's a lot of shame about who we are. And, the, and, and um, we're trying not to let, it's code switching in those spaces is like, I've got this, like just act white, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, uh, Leah, what I think you're saying is that that gets exhausting real fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, there get, there, and there gets a time where you either, you know, kind of go through your own identity crisis where you're like, I don't know who I am who anymore. Who I even am, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or like you said, you're like, I'm just done. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm done trying to. To, to, to be the bridge, um, kind of like the Kemeni Uwan said, like the blood of Jesus is the bridge, not my back, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Amen, sister. I know exactly amen what to that. Saying. I remember that. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but you know, so when I when I'm talking about code switching as as followers of Jesus in the context of First Corinthians nine, um, you have to start with verse nineteen, where mm-hmm. Paul says, "Though I am free mm-hmm. and belong to no one, I have mm-hmm. made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible." And I, I, I recognize and I and I talk about like how that even that has been co opted. Um, by, by everyone from Christian slaveholders uh, and and just uh, you know white yeah. colonizers around mm-hmm. around the world to to um, justify and, and and weaponize the oppression of subdominant cultures. So mm-hmm. I I want to be very careful that uh, what I'm saying isn't a, a like another just code for for 
historically oppressed peoples just to continue to lay down their humanity, mm-hmm. their dignity um, for the sake of the dominant culture. And so that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to understand that we are free in Christ. And 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 part of what that means is, is fully living out and celebrating who we are, right? Mm-hmm. In, in our in our cultural identities and our cultural expressions. Um, this is the freedom that God gives us, and, and we are free to be all that we were made to be. And 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 Paul, on more than one occasion, he he uh, he pushes back against the elites, against the powerful in Scripture, you know, because you know they're like, "Hey, you don't you don't talk the way we want you to talk, or you don't mm-hmm. do the things we want you to do." And he's like, "I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm not here, you know, to pander to you or to cater mm-hmm. to your, um, you know, your ideas of of, of what's uh, acceptable, um, acceptable, mm-hmm. culturally exactly. acceptable, and your your cultural yeah. preferences, your cultural mm-hmm. acceptable. Exactly. Uh-huh. You're saying it better than I would. You know, and 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 trying to." Uh, appease somebody with their standard, if you mm-hmm. will. So we see Paul, we see Jesus, uh, we see the disciples constantly pushing up against that and saying, no, we are not going to conform to mm. your standards. And so that's not what this text means. It it simply means within this within the context of the gospel, when we are trying to uh, you know, convey Christ to somebody, are there are there ways in which we are willing to adapt our language, our behavior for the sake of the gospel, right? Yeah. And so this is outside of the context of toxic relationships. This is outside of the context mm-hmm. of overt racism and and engaging with racists. I'm not mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. not saying, you know, for the sake of the gospel, just take it. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that there so you know there's there's nuance, there's complexity. This is yeah, yeah, we have to be uh, you know, innocent as doves and as, as you know, cra- uh, you know, clever and crafty as serpents to understand when this context is applicable. And and for me, I'm saying it's in those moments with with you know maybe people in your church, maybe it's somebody in your neighborhood, maybe it's your like acquaintances yeah. or or that Facebook group or something where these are these are men and women that you're rubbing shoulders with and you know. You recognize their hearts in the right place, but they're saying something that's just yeah. so yeah. bad. <laughs> and, yeah. and you decide, look, for the sake of the gospel, I'm going to show Christ to that person mm-hmm. by lovingly educating them yes. to the error of their ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to do so not um, not in a way that just tears them down and yeah. just tells tells them like, you know, because inwardly, oftentimes we want to just be like, do you not know how horrible you sound? Right, <laughs> like, right. Like, this is so racist. What, like, what is going on? What's in your going in your mind? That, that you, yes. that Which no you, all, you've got to have right? your safe place to do that, right? You've got to have your sister that you're like, can you believe that this is yes. happening? Yes, you need but that in too. The, but in the moment, right? Yes. There's that graciousness yes. Yes. that you're how talking about. How do we still yes. embody the peace of Jesus, that mm-hmm. shalom, mm-hmm. where we... Um, you know, we got to prophetically call out the, 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 the sins of racism. We have to prophetically call out racist rhetoric and just just folly and ignorance. Um, but we can also have that pastoral voice too, right? Where we say, here's the better way. Here's the way of Jesus. And I, I'm on that path and I'm inviting you to join me on that path. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Learning to know when that context is yeah. and um, to adapt ourselves for the sake of Christ. Yeah. And, and, and listen, we, we got to go into this because I'm like, I know I, I asked at the top of the conversation, like mm-hmm. to sort of give us um, just some updates on what's happening in Austin, but oh, I would love right. 
for you to connect this piece around like, how are you all, how are you uh, practicing cultural adaptability in a space that is very vulnerable? You and your husband are in mm-hmm. East Austin, right? You're probably in the middle-class culture, even though you're minorities, right? Now we're getting to a subdominant culture of those who are extremely vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So talk about how um, you become all things to those individuals so that you may mm-hmm. win them. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, flush that out for us I, because I feel like our listeners are like, okay, I hear y'all. Come on, give me, give me. <laughs> I need you to take me one step deeper. Take me yeah. deeper in the water. So yeah, yeah take oh, us a little man. bit deeper, deeper, Dr. Michelle. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that could be its, its own whole conversation. I mean, one, you got to live poor to serve the poor, you know, so mm-hmm. start there. Uh, mm. you know, my husband and I, our first house here in Austin, Texas was a little 400 square foot pier and beam. Uh, and it's, we're in East Austin, which is historically segregated. Uh, you know, the 1928 master plan in Austin directly relocated all black and brown businesses to the East side, uh, mm-hmm. which of course then forced black and brown families to move to yeah. the East side. Um, and this is where segregated schools were. Um, this is where the missionary Baptist churches are. Mm. Uh, you know, so you can still see the effects of segregation to this day. Mm. Um, and, you know, East Austin, there's a lot of problems with the terrain. You know, it's it's the flooding zones and yep. all of this. And our house was mm. in the flooding zone and our house got flooded at one time. Um, and so, you know, and doing ministry in this area meant, you know, we weren't going to ask people to tithe and nobody could tithe anyways. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And so those first few years of ministry, we were living well under the poverty line, mm-hmm. um, you know, just barely, just barely making it. I mean, sometimes just eating oatmeal for months <laughs> straight because that's yeah. all we could afford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and we had our first son at that time. You know, I was on WIC, we were on Medicare. Uh, and the crazy thing was, is that mm-hmm. even though, we were only making a couple hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. That was still more than mm-hmm. our neighbors were making. Come on. You know? And there was like three families living yep. in the 400 square foot, you know, yeah. and beam next to us. And so we could still see our own privilege, mm-hmm. even in poverty. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of, that kind of reality changes you. It just mm-hmm. ultimately shapes your understanding of reality because you're right. My, my husband and I, we both, um, well, no, I should say this. My husband, he grew up single mom government housing. He okay. grew up, he gets poverty. I grew up in more of a middle-class community. Okay. Um, and intellectually, I understood God's love for the poor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> once you experience it, it right. just, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just strips you of any judgmentalism, you know, because yeah. you understand these people, you know, the people in our community, they're not in the situation because they're lazy. Like my neighbors are some of the hardest working people I know. Come on. Hardest working people I know. But there are systems in place mm-hmm. that just prevent them from, from thriving and flourishing um, as, as an individual or, or, or as a family. And so, you know, when it comes to poverty, we make sure on Sunday mornings we have food at church because we know half the people coming haven't eaten, mm-hmm. uh, particularly food for the children. Um, we also are very involved in, in, in justice initiatives. We have to be because, mm-hmm. um, the, the day-to-day issues that our community face includes, you know, racial profiling, being mm-hmm. falsely incarcerated, mm-hmm. um, you know, ice raids happen in our neighborhood. My young mm-hmm. kids have, have witnessed ice raids. And so, mm-hmm. um, undocumented immigrants, you mm-hmm. know, immigrant families being torn apart, like these are 
the sorts of things that we have to care for on a, on a daily basis. And um, we've partnered with Terrence Lester out in Atlanta, Georgia, to, to set up hand-washing stations around, um, around Austin for those experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we, we give a lot of uh, our benevolence funds to single immigrant moms, mm-hmm. um, many of whom are undocumented. And mm-hmm. that's a big, like, that's a big uh, stumbling point for, for a lot of white Christians. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can help this single mom mm-hmm. with a newborn because mm-hmm. she's undocumented. She's breaking the law. Yeah, she's yeah. breaking the law. It's yeah. like, mm-hmm. need the woman that yes. figure out that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yes. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, whether it's also, you know, we've we've worked with Black pastors in the city to, you know, plea for retrials um, for, mm-hmm. for, 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 for for Black men on, on mm-hmm. death row who are, you know, the oh, evidence my. is very sketchy. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not that we're saying, you know, Set set somebody free without due process, but don't right. put them on death row unless the right. evidence is you know crystal right. clear. Right, um, and, and the stats things- are there. Right, the stats are there to 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 uh, verify that that is a very common narrative in the justice system. So yes. yeah, it's, it's not exactly. like you're it's aimlessly shooting arrows into the dark. You're like, no, this is a real issue in our country, and it has been verified. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. You know? historically, we've seen mm-hmm. the ways in which. Um, but, you know, black men in particular have been put on death row without clear evidence um, yes, ma'am. supporting their, you know, supporting a crime and, and, and even mm-hmm. uncovering later false testimonies and, mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And so mm-hmm. uh, when there's when there's mm-hmm. shady evidence, you know, mm-hmm. it, it compels mm-hmm. us to say true justice, mm-hmm. uh, biblical justice Come demands on. at least due process. And so Come on. Um, anyways, I could go on. But, you know, the 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 <laughs> the challenge is that the minute you start doing these sorts of things. The minute you say, I care more, I care more about a person than just their, their individual salvation, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I care more about a person than just their individual piety. I care about how they're doing physically. I care about how they're doing emotionally, mentally, mm-hmm. uh, whether they can eat, whether their husband is in jail Come for on. a crime he didn't commit. You know, the minute you start saying that, you're going to get labeled a critical race theorist. You're going to get labeled a Marxist uh, mm-hmm. or, or, or come a Democrat. Come on and exhort yeah. our sisters. Come on and exhort our sisters. That's <laughs> what I hear the Holy Spirit speaking through you is like, when you actually begin to care the way that Jesus cares, mm-hmm. here, here is a byproduct. So mm-hmm. what you need to do is to be comfortable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With with the uh, the labeling that Label. culture or yeah, even culmates. those who may possibly uh, be battling this pharisaical mm-hmm. mindset to come at you with yes. <laughs> because it that is a that is a byproduct of following Jesus is yeah. that everybody is not going to be uh, on your team in regards to you seeing the way that Jesus is seeing it. Yeah. Amen. And I mean, that's the mantra, right? Is like, let's just focus on the gospel. You know, we don't need to care about these other issues or even, you know, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna mm-hmm. Taylor, Mike mm-hmm. Ramos was here in Austin, Texas, and mm-hmm. all the anti, the rising anti-Asian violence mm-hmm. um, and, and, and and the growing number of deaths and murders yeah. of, of particularly Asian men. Yes. Um, and the minute that you you speak up on those, uh, uh, on those issues, or even, you know, regardless of what you feel about the organization, but to declare Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. <laughs> or Asian Lives Matter or mm-hmm. Latino Lives Matter, because you believe in the Imago Dei and all people and the, the, Come on. the equal dignity and worth of all peoples, mm-hmm. right? You've mm-hmm. labeled all these things. And of, and of course, last year, 
we got, you know, we got labeled critical race theorists for the first time. My husband and I had to go Google, like, what, what, right? what is stuff? it? Like, oh, right? what, listen, what listen, is this thing? <laughs> listen, Dr. Michelle, you in good company with every other person of color who Googled exactly. on that same day. Like, right? what is, what is right? it? <laughs> what are they what, even what talking about right what now? What are they calling me? You know? What are they calling me? All I yeah. know is that my body is being uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, violently abused mm-hmm. day yes. in and day out with your words, with your speech, with mm-hmm. your actions, with it's exactly what you were saying to Sheba, that this mm-hmm. is the model of Jesus. When people say, let's just focus on the gospel. Our response is we are <laughs> like, let's go to Mark chapter one. You know, yes, and, and Jesus you. says the kingdom of God is here. Come and on. Yes. He's preaching, you know, the, the you know, confessing and, and forgiveness of sins, but then he's healing the sick. Healing. And Jesus okay. is saying, Every single person has the right, mm-hmm. the, the God-given right to be brought back into society and to mm-hmm. be treated as an equal first-class yeah. citizen. And this yeah. is why Jesus goes around healing the sick and, 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 mm-hmm. and you know, curing the lame and the blind so mm-hmm. that all people can be holistically restored. This mm-hmm. is the gospel. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That's my response these like, days when, when yes. people preach the gospel or just let's focus on the gospel. Yes. I am. I am. And, and you should too. I <laughs> love that. Too. I love that. I think that is a hundred percent because like you said, when we're praying, you know, your kingdom come on mm-hmm. earth as it is in heaven. If we know that we will be fully restored in body and in, in the new Jerusalem, like these are the things that mm-hmm. are going to be happening in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so when we pray that we're actually saying, this is the gospel, mm-hmm. right? That we shadow the full restoration here on earth that mm-hmm. will be in heaven. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, this is the gospel, right? Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think in particular, you know, I'm a, I'm so thankful for your words because particularly it's going back to a previous conversation with um, Dr. Lyons, with the Dr. Sarita Lyons out of Epiphany Fellowship in Brooklyn. She talked about how the city is... Uh, it, everything is heightened in the city. Mm-hmm. And so if, and this, this, the urban Christian woman is for women in the city. That's, mm-hmm. that's our, that is our demographic. And so for us as women of the cross who are listening, um, if you profess the name of Jesus and you say that Jesus is Lord over your life, then that means that you are intentionally seeking to pursue uh, what Jesus pursued in those who are vulnerable mm-hmm. and displaying and embracing and inviting people to bring their whole selves to the table mm-hmm. for the glory of God to display his kingdom come, uh, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. And so, you know, um, I really want to exhort women as you were just talking, Dr. Michelle, like, Yo, like if you are just, if you were at that space of just preach the gospel, Jesus is calling you to, to go to another, like the word says, we go from glory to glory. Come on up to the next glory, <laughs> sister. Come on up. Come on Amen. up. Come on up and be sanctified and, and transformed even more into his likeness yeah. and take that next step of, of faith where God will grow your faith mm-hmm. and increase your faith mm-hmm. um, to, to reflect who he is because mm-hmm. that's what this is. Like, it's not just about us um, see, seeing lives transformed through the gospel, right? Just like what you're saying, but it's being able to say like, no, I, in the midst of that, I too am being transformed into the likeness of Christ by how he's taking me to take another level of lower posture of humility. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. That lower, I mean, when you're talking about James, like, be, I'm thinking right. about James too, pure mm-hmm. and undefiled religion is yes. Come on now. Okay. This is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, no, that, that is, that is uh, right on point. And I, and I love even just hearing you articulate like this is, this is the coming low, right? Mm-hmm. This is the, mm-hmm. like you mentioned in your book, when Paul says like to the weak, I've become weak so that mm-hmm. I might win the weak. It's mm-hmm. like, why, what is the purpose of becoming weak for the weak? So that, what is the so that? So that we might win the week. I mean, there is ultimately a posture of winning people to Christ, bringing people into experience God's kingdom. And how Mm -hmm. do you do that? By becoming, Mm -hmm. right? Like by that, by that step towards becoming. And so just, man, we're so thankful for your words. And I love um, how you're articulating that as a woman of color of having to continually take those steps Mm -hmm. towards the week. Yeah. In your context. In your and context. so I think for 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 um, us mm-hmm. as women of color as well, like maybe you can speak to like what burdens we unintentionally put on other women of different cultural backgrounds or even like women of, you know, our ethnos, but that are in more vulnerable situations. Like what are those burdens that we sometimes put on them when we are pursuing relationships for, for winning them or for discipleship? Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know, this is something that's interesting that we see even within the context of not just our community, but also our our, our church, um, mm-hmm. that that there is a heightened sense of 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 fear and stranger danger to to, to outsiders. Mm. <laughs> um and you know, I think and, and we're also in the in the midst of gentrification and all that that brings. And so there are real threats that outsiders can bring, particularly when they, uh, you know, they have more privilege and power and money. Um, But I, you know, beyond that, I think there is also the fact that we as women of color, we're all hurting in in different ways. You know, we're all navigating our own experiences of of, of racism, um, either firsthand or or, uh, you know, people don't talk enough about that secondhand trauma of mm-hmm. witnessing racism against our own community, mm-hmm. you know, across the nation or, or across the, the the globe. And so, um, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard to be told that we need to care for someone else's house when it's burning, when our own house is burning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and many of us feel like we're drowning. And it's, it's, it's hard enough to just... Mm-hmm keep our own head above water. And, yeah. and now we're, we're, we're being asked to, to bend over backwards for somebody else as well. And, you know, that's something that, that uh, I've seen played out even in the, the last year, right. That there is a heightened, um, at least a heightened awareness of uh, racism against the black community, as well as racism against the Asian community. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. both are asking for help from the other. And mm-hmm. there's the, the, that, that, that blame game, like, well, well where have you been? You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, why should I help you now? Or even mm-hmm. that history of, we have histories of racial prejudices between right. Asian American mm-hmm. and African American communities. Yeah. Right. And so how do you mm-hmm. even pursue solidarity when you have that whole history? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, uh, against you. And so, um, you know, that could be its whole talk in and of itself. It could be a whole other talk. <laughs> we have I'm like three Dr. or four Michelle. conversations in this one conversation. Right. I'm like, Dr. Michelle, we got to have you come <laughs> back to talk about all of these things. Oh, oh, I love it. But I mean, simply the, the love of Jesus has to compel us to, to, mm. to care for each other, right? And I think uh-huh. not only that, and mm. um, I, don't, I don't know where your listeners are, so I don't want to go into 
too much depth about this, but we do also have to recognize the ways in which white supremacy has pitted us against each other, Mm -hmm. the ways in which white supremacy has oppressed all of our uh, different communities. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the last thing we need to be doing is be competing in this silo of Olympic Mm -hmm. oppression just to say, Mm -hmm. no, I've suffered more. No, I've suffered more. And and to to do that at the expense of devaluing other people's Mm -hmm. pain. So, um, you know, we speak plainly on it. You can speak plainly yeah, on it. Okay. <laughs> one hundred. Okay, these are not these are not one on one individuals around. All right. Like we've we've had multiple conversations on IG lives as well as yes. multiple. You're podcasts. coming right on in. Amen. The water's fine. Okay. So, come Amen. on in. The water's fine. That's right. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, I mean we we have to know that. Um, we have to not only fight against the racism that oppresses our own people, but the, you know, for for each other as well. Mm-hmm. We have to show up for each other because it's going to take that solidarity to break these systems of oppression, to break white supremacy, and and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And we have to understand that we are stronger together. I mean, Come on. within the biblical vision of the body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. That we are many parts. Um, and you know, it says in First Corinthians that when one suffers, the whole body should suffer, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, there is also a biblical precedent for this. To to um, you know, I, I, I think we do need to make space for our own um, communities to to be able to process and journey mm-hmm. together. You know, I can't say enough about the blessing that I have experienced in the last few years in finding fellow Asian American Christian women Mm. uh, and just being able to have private conversations with them and kind of, you know, find my women and be like, oh, you too? (laughs) I thought I was the only, I I Mm. thought for the longest time I was the only kid that nobody wanted to sit with at the lunch Mm. table because of my smelly Asian food, right? And then all of a sudden, Every single one of the Asian American women friends that I have, they all experienced that growing mm-hmm. up. So now it was like, mm-hmm. oh, we can go on a journey of healing together now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we also need those ethnic spaces. We do. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we can we can um, have the love of Jesus compel us to, to stand mm-hmm. in solidarity um, with each other. Yeah. What what would you say? I know we're nearing sort of the end of our conversation, but what would you say are the wins and the joys of cross culture? We've gone on this whole roller coaster. Take <laughs> us back up to the take, take us back up. What are, what are some of those wins or the joys of cross cultural discipleship that are unique um, to it? If you could sort of uh, yeah. to that. I mean, I I think we were just touching on it, the, the being able to go on journeys of healing together. Um, and also, uh, I, I love Sheila Wise Rose, Sheila Wise Rose book, Journey to Racial Healing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, where she mm-hmm. talks about the goal Healed is racial racial billions, yes. get well and stay well. <laughs> and so, you know, in many ways, I, I, I feel that this is the, the opportunity that we have in cross-cultural relationships mm. is to, finally um, stare our own complicated histories in the face, to stare racism in the face uh, and, and uh, to, to, to pull back 
that that wallpaper and to mm-hmm. expose all the rot that's been Come underneath, on. you know, all the mm. like we were mentioning earlier, like, you know, all the, the low racial consciousnesses mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the supporting of status quo and complicity with racism and things mm-hmm. like that and say, no more, <laughs> no mm-hmm. more. We're mm-hmm. like, we are going to shake this up and we are going to move toward, uh, you know, restoration, reform conciliation mm-hmm. not reconciliation because things mm-hmm. never were that great in the past come on now <laughs> you know? and um and and we can only do that when we begin living uh you know connecting across cultures and 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 getting outside of our own head hearing other people's stories and mm-hmm. caring enough about them as our neighbor to to, to do something about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a good word it's good would it's good. you outside of you know us and our listeners purchasing your book, Becoming All Things. Ladies, let's bless her. And you, this is a resource that you want to have on your shelves, in your heart, in your mind, and be able to share with another sister. But um, outside of your resource, uh, what would you also recommend uh, as a resource for women who want to learn more and grow in um, cross-cultural discipleship understanding? Mm, yeah, well, I'll... I'll share a little bit about the work uh, and the two different spaces I inhabit these days. One is uh, the Asian American Christian Collaborative. Uh, Ray Chang, the the president and I, we co-host the AACC podcast. Uh, Mm. It is called the Reclaim Podcast. And so season one aired last fall and was all about the ways in which we need to reclaim justice, reclaim the biblical uh, vision of justice. Mm. And, and, you know, all of our guests are Asian American Christians. And so we are certainly speaking to the Asian American Christian community, but we, it's an invitation to all friends of the community as well. And Mm so, Mm -hmm. uh, and this season that we launched in January is all about reclaiming our cultural identity. And so Mm -hmm. um, I'm super excited about that. Uh, You know, I think those are wonderful resources for anyone to, to listen to. Um, and then over at PAX, you know, madeforpax.org, uh, we have a marketplace. We have, um, we've done some wonderful collaborations with folks like Robert Chow Romero, mm-hmm. um, Lucretia Berry, where we've created these guides on um, cultural identity development, uh, you know, how to develop and celebrate who you are culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Chow Romero created a guide called Cultural Identity as Resistance, in which he uses the story of Moses, who mm-hmm. grew up privileged in Pharaoh's Come house on, and learns what it means Bars. to go back to Goshen and to understand yes. his own people and 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 what solidarity looks like Ooh. with his own. Uh, it's good and it's free uh-huh. <laughs> and it's so free I, did y'all hear that y'all free. please go grab that <laughs> so I, I highly recommend going to madeforpacks.org go to the marketplace um, and you can download these guides that are good for both individual or uh, group study so mm-hmm. I hope those can be a you know benefit to your to your listeners yes, as well absolutely 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 Dr. Michelle will you pray for us and our listeners as we close out this conversation mm-hmm. I'd love to Oh, Lord God, thank you so much um, for Toshiba and Leah and just for this incredible space uh, with, the, with the Urban Christian Woman podcast and community. Um, I thank you, Lord God, for bringing us together to rub, to rub shoulders together and just uh, delight more in who you've made us as, as cultural Im- image bearers. Thank you that uh, through these sorts of conversations and relationships that we are able to see a greater vision of you, God, um, yes. you know, as as we uh, delight in each other as image bearers, and so, um, Lord God, may you you continue to open our eyes to the beauty of culture. Um, may we 
continue to go back to your to your word to, mm-hmm. to scripture and and each time read anew um, the, the, the the beauties and the richness that you have of of your diverse body lord god and and, mm-hmm. and for us to live that out in the here and now mm-hmm. um to 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 understand that you have desired a multi-ethnic body from the very beginning and that mm-hmm. this, this is how we should live out our life not just in the church but you know in in, in everything that we say and do lord god yes, um so yeah, you know, may may our words today may they we pray that they were glorifying and honoring to you, and um, may we continue to walk this road of, of solidarity and of justice, Lord God. May you continue to shake things up mm-hmm. uh, because we know that that peace is the goal, but but conflict must come first. And uh, may you continue to strip our country bear uh, expose the foundations of of, of racism of. Uh, racial prejudice lord god of, of division and hostility mm-hmm. uh, we know it's we know it's hard we know it's ugly it feels at times like things are getting worse mm-hmm. uh, but we know lord god that this has to happen um before before things can get better and so we yes, trust lord. in you we trust in your sovereignty yes uh, may you inspire equip and empower us to continue to adapt who we are to connect yes. across cultures um and and to do this as an extension of our love for all of our neighbors. So we pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Have a blessed day, ladies. Ladies, thanks so much for joining Dr. Reyes, Leah, and I on today's podcast. You can learn, read, and hear more from Dr. Reyes at AsianAmericanChristianCollaborative.com or find her on her handle at Michelle Ami Reyes on IG or Michelle Reyes on Facebook. You can also purchase her forthcoming book, Becoming All Things Wherever Books Are Sold. Join us next week as we discuss collegiate discipleship with our guest, Corey Porter.